I realized I was dehydrated. <laughs> I took my, my, my bullshit, low sugar, low sodium diet out here with me and immediately was hit with dehydration, pull my calf. Welcome to Mui Ying, the first platform created to educate and inspire Muay Thai fighters and enthusiasts. We aim to pave a clearer path for those that need it the most. Equal pay, equal spotlight, equal opportunities. Muay Thai forever. Now, being a professional fighter, starting a podcast was not easy time-wise or financially. So first off, big thank you to Satra Wood for assisting me financially in purchasing my first set of podcasting equipment. Check them out for Muay Thai apparel. They've got some super original designs in the form of Muay Thai shorts and shirts. Another shout out to my brother, Andrew, for helping out with the equipment as well. Hello, welcome to Mui Ying, the podcast. Today, we have Tai Nan Le on the show to talk about corporate world to fight world. Tai is a Vietnamese American from Oakland, California, who's had dozens of amateur Muay Thai fights. Earlier this year, she made the move to Thailand, turned pro, and has been training full-time there for six months. Uh, welcome to Muay Ying, Thai. Thanks for coming on to chat. Um, how has your week in Muay Thai been? Hi. Hello, everyone. Uh, hi, Angela. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, this week was a good week. You know, it's, it's good when it moved by really fast and when I didn't have much pain <laughs> from the training <laughs> and when I just had a really, really awesome big dinner. So it's been a good week. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like everything that is great about life, <laughs> honestly. Yes. Um, so Ty, I, you know, we've known each other for a few years now, but I didn't actually like meet you until maybe like almost two years ago in person. Mm -hmm. And then when I met you was when I went over to San Francisco to um, train and teach a seminar. And then, you know, speaking with you and meeting you in person there, like your passion just like really showed through and like the way that you talked about fighting or talked about training or just talked about how you like, because before you worked for like a big tech company and then the job you had before that was also another big tech company. So then, you know, what was that like when you were still in California training and fighting while working for these you know, full-time jobs at these big companies? Yeah, 10 years in corporate America, two pretty awesome jobs at two really big companies. And while I was working full-time, um, I had my, my side gig, my passion, uh, I moonlight as a, a, a multi-fighter. Um, and it was, it required a lot of time management for sure, um, because uh, my work days are, uh, eight hour days and the training sessions um, for the first eight years when I was with Ganyao, um, I would train mornings and nights when I had fights. Um, when I shifted over to Jongsanam for the, the last two years, we would train once, even with fights. Um, so I had to really manage my, my, my schedule carefully. If I train in the morning, then I had to wake up around like five, five thirty uh, to get to the gym, have my morning session, go to work and then come back for a nighttime session. Uh, when I train once, then it will be around 3 p.m. Uh, then that would mean I would have to still wake up early, get all the work out of the way by 3 p.m., and then come train. But overall, it, I, I thought it was manageable, but I didn't realize that I was kind of half-assing both worlds. I thought I 
was managing it fairly well. But I think when I moved over to Johnson on, he really like, he, 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 one of the first thing he asked me was, what are your goals? Are you just doing this for fun? And I, I thought I was doing more than that. It was, it was a deeper passion than just a hobby. Um, but when he really called me out on it, I started thinking about it and, and really had to, to, figure out what my goals for this are. And is it just, I'm, I'm fighting just for fun. Uh, but, so up until like that point, when he mm -hmm. asked you the question, were mm -hmm. you just kind of like, cause you know how some people, they go through life like, oh, this is just something I do. And then this is the next step. And this is the next step. Were you kind of like that in a way, like just kind of like, oh yeah, I wake up and I go to work and I go to the gym. It was just like a routine kind of thing versus something with intention. It seemed like you wanted some intention behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And I, I think I've, I've always been a, a bit of an, an undecisive person. I have a lot of passions. And I think with, especially with, with, with millennials, there are so many options that are available to us, right? We can't just, just commit to one thing. The eight-hour workday is it's not enough, and I need a, a, a passion. So I I, uh, I found Muay Thai, and it, it got incorporated into my routine. And it was definitely much more than just something just for fun. But I I think there were just so many distractions for me. Alongside with the, the work week, I enjoy the party life. I enjoy the traveling life. I fought when I can, but that, that that's it, right? I fought when I can rather than really zooming in and prioritizing fighting. It was, I, I thought it was like number one or two on my list, but it was like number four after, of course, work, family, uh, life, When you travel. had space in your schedule to mm -hmm. be like, oh yeah, I guess I could squeeze a fight in there. Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. That. And I realized after going over to Johnson, I'm like, that's not how you develop yourself. And I realize that now, looking back at it, like that, that, that was no way to manage a, a fight life because I would fight and do, do, do either what well or okay, but then we have such a long break in between. And then when I get back into the next fight camp, I would be fat and like the, the first couple of weeks would be <laughs> trying to cut that weight again. Uh, Ganyao Fairtex and Jongsun on Fairtex, can you give like a, a very, very short introduction as to like who they are and their significance in like Muay Thai in America, especially? And also like how did them as, you know, being your two main coaches in the U.S., how did that develop your, how did that develop your career to being a pro fighter now? Especially since like before when you were with them, you're working all these full-time jobs. Like mm -hmm. it seemed like Jongsun wanted you to have more attention, but then at the same time, it was like, you know, I remember you telling me when I was in San Francisco, like, yeah, he wanted you to fight, but he didn't want you to stress out about certain things about the fight. Like, oh, you know, you work a full-time job. Why stress yourself out on cutting all this weight, for yeah. example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's a big, good question. Uh, so, so for introductions, Ganyo Fairtex and Johnson on Fairtex. Uh, Ganyo first came to the States uh, in the mid-90s um, to open up Fairtex in America and Arizona. Um, so he was one of the pioneers of Fairtex in America. And then they moved from Arizona to San Francisco. And that's when Johnson Nan came a couple years later. So Johnson Nan has, uh, is already a very like highly decorated fighter in Thailand. Uh, so when he came to the States, he trained under Ganya. So Ganya is old man. And then, uh, Johnson Nan trained under him, who is my old man number two. Um, <laughs> They are significant in Muay Thai America. They're, they're one of the, the, the pioneers of Muay Thai in America, really. So I'm actually say that they were like, uh, well, Ganya especially, he was like the first top Muay Thai trainer to come to the U.S. I think so. I mean, I don't know how significant, like, I don't know how accurate that statement is, but that's something that I just 
hear from like everyone. So I'm like, I guess I'll accept it. I mean, if no one's gonna give me other food, it. yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I've, I've also heard that as well, but I haven't really done my research there. But yes, the Ganya, the big man, uh, is very significant in Muay Thai in America. But both of them are super significant for me as well. So I trained with Ganya for eight years at Pacific Ring Sports in Oakland. And by the time I've, I've met him, the, the feedback that I got was that he is so much nicer than what he was back in the day. <laughs> yeah. He chilled out with age. <laughs> he, he chilled out with age for sure. Because back in the day when he was at Fairtex, the, the consensus that he was very, very scary, uh, which is unreal because this is like this tall six foot four Thai bald man who's always making dirty jokes. Um, uh, that is just such a sweetheart. So when I came to him, he is just, uh, he, he's already trained countless uh, uh, champions and world champions. So now he's hanging back at Pacific Ring Sports, uh, teaching uh, uh, folks for smokers and amateurs. Uh, so he chose me one of, as one of the, the people uh, for his fight team and started developing me. But I was young at the time. I was like in my early 20s when I uh, met Ganyao. Um, I was very passionate about Muay Thai for sure. As soon as I started, um, I would come back every day and then became twice a day and then had my first smoker in six months. And then after I think my second smoker, I had my first fight in like eight months. Uh, and then I, I continued to fight after that. But I, I had so, so, so many things that I wanted to do. So fighting did, wasn't a, a number one priority, even though I thought that it, it was. And I think eight years into working with Ganyao, I've have had losses here and there. But there was one loss that was super significant. Um, I went in there with Stephanie Tangre. She trained uh, in San Francisco and I've sparred with her before. And I knew I could beat her. But when we got into the ring, I, I couldn't think. Everything just came out muscle memory. And I lost that fight to a close, uh, close decision that I knew I, I should have won. I, it, it wasn't the judges or anything. I, I think it could have won either way, but I totally accepted the loss. But I felt that I shouldn't have lost. And that was when I realized that I needed more out of my training. I needed a, a, a trainer with more fire. Uh, Ganya was awesome, but he's also like my second dad and he loves me and feeds me. And he also he treats me as a drinking buddy. And I, I, I needed and wanted someone with more fire. I, it, it took me a, a long time to, to settle with that decision because I was also feeling like I'm leaving my old man. I'm disloyal. But I had to really talk it through with myself that I, I just want more for my career. And there's so much more in my career rather than just doing two, three amateur fighters or, or fights per year. So when Johnson An opened up Wooden Man in San Francisco, I, I asked Gan Yao to see if I can go over there to train with Johnson An for three months for a trial period. I uh, went over there for three months, uh, trained with Johnson An uh, for a rematch uh, with April Vergara from Boxing Works. And then did that rematch. It was so cool because for that rematch, uh, I had both Ganyao and Johnson on in my corner. And um, I've never had, I've never not had Ganyao in my corner. So I, I flew him down there actually. And it was so cool because in my corner, Ganyao looked at Johnson on. It's like, what? You train her. You corner her. Why are you looking at me? Uh, it's like passing on the tours. And, and Johnson on didn't want to step on any toes really. He was waiting to, to see who, who would corner me. But Ganyao was like, well, what are you looking at me for? She trained with you. Go. Did really well in that fight, won, uh, and then moved over to Johnson on uh, for reals. And then Johnson on was the one that was point blank. As soon as I step into the gym, what are your goals? Are you just fighting just for fun or do you want something out of this? 
And I actually had uh, my first answer to him was, I want to take it as far with Muay Thai as I can. Of course, like coming from someone who can't decide shit, right? Uh, and he's like, oh, okay. So you want to do amateur fighting. You have the, the, the heart. You need more skill and conditioning, but I can teach you that. Okay, I take you in. <laughs> and then he took me in. As a, it was so like matter of factly. It's like an interview. It's like, do I accept her? Okay, you're accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, like the more I fought with Johnson, the first year I was with Johnson, I had to fight like weird weight classes because we were, we were still figuring out how each other work. He was trying, we always have um, communication block, right? Because he, he, he uh, like, English is both of our uh, second languages, but like Muay Thai, like his understanding of Muay Thai is completely than my understanding of Muay Thai. Of course, his is so much deeper. So there, there's always this, this, this language barrier. But so that, that first year we had to really work through like how each other train and, and teach and, and fight and corner. And I had to fight in very weird weight classes. But after a year, I think there was one time, uh, we're hanging out and he's like, honey, you can go pro. You can beat these girls. You, you can. It was just kind of like a side conversation, but like the way that he's, he's, he speaks with so much passion. And when he says something you like know, that. You know, I, I, I know him and I've talked to him before. And yeah. as, as you said that, I like heard his voice in, in my head, you know, just like, honey, <laughs> why, why? You can go pro. You can beat these girls. <laughs> and that's what got in my head. I'm like, oh, I can really do this. Like, I, I, I respect these two men so much. Ganya was the first person that says, you can fight, go fight. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I can fight. And then Johnson's like, yeah, you can go pro. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I can go pro. It seemed like they just believed in you so much. And they're like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take you kind of as you are, but I'll clean you up a little bit in a yeah. way. So yeah. that must have been, like, really refreshing. Yeah. And in, in I mean, as, in like, in comparison to just some of the other stories I've heard from other people who didn't have coaches that were understanding didn't invest in them you know mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it seemed like you had like two really really solid coaches and it brought you to where you are it also didn't develop you as a fighter and a person but it developed your passion mm -hmm. and I feel like a, a, a lot of things considered I feel like that's really the thing that like brings you the furthest yeah absolutely and it's really awesome with them because they meet you where you're at they would never like even like in what they would never teach me something that is completely out of my reach and they would never something to say something that like i i can't get to yet like the conversations that we have now it's completely different than the conversations about muay thai within when i first started um and that's that's mm -hmm. the the cool thing about being a brilliant trainer right they pick they don't just take anybody uh, they, they have to see the heart there first, see what they can mold, and then they start molding. And it, it takes time. It's an investment uh, from them and from you as well. Yeah. So based off uh, the many things that you said earlier, I did want to uh, bring up a very, very like interesting part or maybe interesting to a lot of the people who might be listening, mm -hmm. how you kind of asked Ganyao for permission to like train with Jung Sanan and then the whole dynamic between Ganyao and Jung Sanan at your fight when they're recording you mm -hmm. and they're like, oh no, you do it. Oh no, you do it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, it's very like a uh, Muay Thai culture in Thailand yeah. and all, you know, all these like politics and stuff. And you like navigated it in such a like smooth way, or at least like from what you're telling us, like you did everything that would, that would go according to Muay Thai culture in Thailand. Like mm. you, you talk to the person who's like your Ajahn, your master, and then you ask them, you tell them what's going on and you ask them for permission to do things as opposed to a lot of people in the U S they just kind of like, oh, I just do whatever I want because it's, yeah. it's what benefits me without 
mm-hmm. telling anyone. And is that something that you had to learn during your time under Ganyao? Well, maybe not had, but is that something that you noticed during your time under Ganyao? And I'm sure like you going over to Fairtex mm-hmm. in Thailand now, like, do you notice the culture to be the same within the gym? Like where you see everyone just kind of like tiptoeing around others, making sure they're not offending anyone? Yeah. Uh, or do you see it to be like even more intense than that? Oh, that's, that, that's a good question. Uh, so the, the, the first part is very, oh man, I don't want to say this without saying this, but it's a uh, very Asian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually scared shitless. Um, it took me close to a year to tell Ganyao that I wanted to, um, train with Jong Sunan. Like I, 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 as soon as I lost that fight, I knew I wanted to train with Jong Sunan, but it took me a year and I actually didn't fight the entire year. And I, I, I like, he's my old man. Like he's always going to be my first Muay Thai teacher, but he's also my, uh, my, my second dad. And I never want to, to like hurt him or break his heart. So I was very cautious. And I think uh, what I did, uh, same with Ganyo and Jong Sunan, when I wanted, wanted to tell them something, I have to tell them three times. Uh, first, I'm introduce the idea, and then second time, like bring it up again, <laughs> and then uh, by by the third third time, they've heard it twice. So now it's a conversation. And coming over to to Thailand to Fairtex, uh, it's funny that you brought that up because the the dynamic here is way more intense than 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 that navigation that I had to do from Ganyo to Johnsonan, right? Because when I had to do that 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 navigation from Ganyo to Johnsonan, it was just all internal. Like I had all these doubts, like disloyal feelings and stuff. And when it did happen, and like we, we all talked to each other, right? I asked Ganyao to oh, go, oh, go over to John Sonan. And John Sonan, of course, and when I came over and John Sonan talked to Ganyao, and it was like a handshake. Okay, you take her for three months. But over here in Thailand, I think in the, the Thai, Muay Thai culture here, there's so many things that are unsaid that you have to watch and look and, and, and learn and kind of uh, navigate. It's not really tiptoe, it's, it's navigate. It's so complex. Um, it's, it's easy, but it's complex at the same time. Ameri- Americans, I can speak for Americans. I've seen a bunch of Americans come out here and they-, they And you are American too. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, they don't see the complexity of, of like uh, having one trainer, respecting your trainers, not hopping around, being respectful, like not demanding pad work, um, like waiting your turn, things like that. And it's just, I, I think a lot of things that are unsaid that requires time for you to watch, observe and absorb. I think um, well, one of the downfalls with like foreigners is that like sometimes they don't come for so long so they don't have that chance to observe because it took me months. It took me what? I think three months to figure out where things are and to to know the dynamics of the hierarchies. When I first moved over to Thailand too, I just remember like my first trip, the first like three weeks, it was just kind of like, I'm I'm here, this is so much fun. I'm just here for training. But I definitely like wasn't observing like the dynamics of trainer to the Thai fighters, Mm -hmm. trainers to the foreigners foreigners that were there Mm -hmm. and then trainers to the boss. Yeah. You know, so it it really wasn't until, like you said, like two, three months in that I was like, oh, there's a system here. There's a mm-hmm. hierarchy. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's hierarchies within hierarchies too. Yeah. So it's like, um, I, I definitely do think that people who, one, don't stay at one gym for at least a month or two, it just kind of goes over their head because mm-hmm. they're not looking for it, you mm-hmm. know? 
And uh, two, they might accidentally do things that offend people within the gym, not on purpose, but then, you know, they're, they're just doing things based off like, oh, what, me, 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 one, and two, it's like, oh, uh, this is my training trip. I want to get the most out of this. I'm very excited. I'm just gonna do things that I think are okay, but are actually not okay in a Thai Muay Thai gym. Absolutely. So going back to just kind of comparing and contrast just these two very different worlds and how you just kind of like not I wouldn't say like gave up but you, you just kind of like jumped yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like okay bye corporate world <laughs> hello Muay Thai world even yeah. though like you had your foot in the Muay Thai world yes. but just moving to Thailand and like yeah. training full-time turning pro in Thailand it's like yeah. I, it just it really is like a whole like mm-hmm. what is it 180 how would you compare how they see Muay Thai in the U.S. how mm-hmm. they train in the U.S. versus how they do things in Thailand I mean obviously Thailand's the, the motherland so everything mm-hmm. there I imagine would be like way more intense but mm-hmm. then like in your experience what were the major differences that you could see mm, that's a good question so the the intensity aside Muay Thai out here is a job it is life I it is living and breathing and it's something that we wake up every day. Like we, we have one job and we spend all of our energy trying to perfect this one job. I think, uh, one of the questions that my friends at home would ask me is like, Oh, what do you do in your free time? Like, there is no free time. Oh, oh, do you get <laughs> bored? Like, no, I think in the States, like we, we, we have our, our nine to five. So we, we train once, a, uh, once a day. Right. And even if like the most intense, intense training is like two hours, right? Here we train in the morning and afternoon. Each session itself is two hours, but in the morning we, we, we run six miles for breakfast before breakfast. And so. If you count all that up, what, three hours in the morning, two hours at night, that's five hours. Before that morning training, I have to wake up early, an hour ahead to stretch, to eat, to fuel up uh, and caffeinate. Uh, between, I have to nap, so I have energy for the, the second training. And then once I'm done with training, 5.30 p.m., I need to go home, I need to eat, I need to stretch again before bed, I need to do some house chores, and that's it. That's the day, and six days a week. And on Sunday, like on the, for the first couple of weeks, I, I, I went out on for Sunday, but then, uh, pretty soon after I realized like I have to rest if I want to operate 100% uh, on Monday. Yeah. So the intensity and the commitment is completely different. And mm-hmm. the, the fighting out here, I, I, I think like compared, uh, comparing it to, to my old job, it's like I was in corporate America and I'd say I was doing a lot of like presentations, right? PowerPoint presentations for customers and internal teams, right? Imagine like, it, it, that was my job, and I would do like a, a what a, a couple presentations a week. But if you compare it to to Muay Thai, like in the states, amateur fighters fight what two, four times a year. If yeah, if so, right? Four is like wow, whoa! You 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 have that's four. a lot. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like two fights a year, uh, but out here. Uh, you can fight every every month. You can fight every two weeks, and people do. And the motivations are different. Uh, the motivations, like for amateur in in the United States, for amateur fighting in the United States, is is to frankly put it. Now, I thought it was passion, but no, it's just for fun. It's a hobby. Like it is. You were, I, I wasn't putting a hundred percent into it. I, I I thought I was putting like at least eighty percent. I don't think so. But out here, you have to put a hundred and fifty percent into it. And the fighting out here. Uh, when I say life, it's not just about being happy. Like it's, it's, uh, it's money. 
You have to fight to make money. Um, and everyone around you has that same goal and same purpose. So the motivation for fighting is very different, which uh, brings to like the actual fighting is different. Like in the States, like three rounds amateur, people go like, like buck wild and just like gas out in the first round and just go crazy, right? But out here, there's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strategy. You go in it, depending on who you fight, there's a strategy, how you fight first, second, third, fourth round. You try not to get hurt so that you can go on and fight uh, in the next couple of weeks so that you can support your family. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring, also brought up a good point about how in the US, you, you know, most people, they have that, their like nine to five job and then they go train. Mm-hmm. And then when people work in the US, if they're working in like the traditional sense, you know, they work and as soon as they leave work, they're free to kind of just like be their own person outside of work and just kind of do whatever they want that has nothing to do with work. But it's not the case for Muay Thai fighters in Thailand because Mm -hmm. they live at the gym, they Mm -hmm. eat at the gym, all their friends are from the gym. So it's like, yeah, maybe they're down to training, but they're still very much like at work in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Um, Muay Thai in America for amateur fighting is a choice. It's a choice and it's a privilege. Out here, the Thais don't have a choice. It's it's like they or they live in camps and and it's it's tough work. It's really really tough, and they don't have a choice. Yeah, I I tell people that all the time. Like whenever people ask me about like going over there or you know what it's like like meeting all these high fighters, I always tell them I'm like, dude, it's a privilege to be able to choose this lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. even through the struggles that we go through, it's like at the end of the day, this is something that we consciously were like, yeah, we want to do this. Whereas for them, it was all right, money on the table, food on the table for the family. It's yeah. two completely different things. Going over from like corporate America, mm-hmm. training in America to not doing the corporate world, mm-hmm. uh, taking your job on as being like a pro Muay Thai fighter. What was the biggest adjustment? Like it could be a cultural adjustment or just like a physical mental adjustment. Oh, wow. That's a good question. I, I think about this a lot. <laughs> and when I came out here, uh, or before I came out here, I started keeping a journal mm-hmm. because like in uh, working 10 years in corporate America, like grew up with your head. I, I realized that I, during that year of COVID, a lot of like introspection happened. A lot of backpacking in the woods happened with my friends. A lot of time to, to really think and realize that I was like an, an anxiety ridden person. I, in corporate America, I had to, what, every single day thinking uh, about how to best be passive aggressive in this email to manipulate and, and, and get what you want, essentially. Uh, I had to really purge a lot of that out of my system. But so I started keeping a journal to through, through the year of COVID to really like to, to put my thoughts down in writing and to, to really process it. And that really helped because when I came out here, there were three big things that I found to be big things that needed adjustments. Uh, there was the, the external, the internal, and the interpersonal. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. that the external is where my physical body meets the outside world. The training is ridiculously intense. Like, I think I told you that like the first week out here, I realized I was dehydrated. <laughs> I took my, my, my bullshit, low sugar, low sodium diet out here with me and immediately was hit with dehydration, pull my calf. I remember you messaging me. You're like, what do I do? I'm like, girl. <laughs> yeah. So I had to really like get used to, to acclimate to the, the climate, acclimate to the, the scheduling and, and all of that. That was the external, right? The physical world. And then the internal, like my, my mind and soul, 
they're they're blunt as shit out here. Uh, first, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's of course it's, it's that 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 loss in translation, right? Him her started training, at, and in the states we don't we clinch, but we don't clinch that much, and not like out here. So uh, my friend Matt Lucas uh, told the trainers, yeah, she wants to fight and she can fight. They took one look at me, at me you're clinched no good. You get beat by Tiger for sure, one hundred percent. And then Matt looks at me and is like, yeah, your clinch sucks. You need to clinch every day. And it, it, like, it was no, there was no malice behind it or anything. And that's what I had to really do. I had to like to stop. Like, I'm, I'm feeling shitty because they're saying these things about me that may, doesn't make me feel good. Because in the States, like our trainers don't really say that. Like, they do, but in a nicer way. It's like sugarcoating it. Uh, but out here, they're like, oh, you suck at clinch. So I had to really get off my high horse and really like realize like like all these things that like all these trainers will, will be telling me um about my abilities are facts like it's not meant to hurt my feelings it's literally these are facts and the way that i get get I get better is accept them as facts and then figure out ways to 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 improve uh so that was really the internal like like n- like don't don't feel bad about myself uh don't overthink shit like w- what what they say are just facts and it is a-okay and then the third one was, was the interpersonal. What we touched on was that hierarchy. Because it, depending on how long you come out here, how they treat you is different. Because the, the ties, the first thing, the first thing, so ask you, what's your name? How old are you? How long are you here for? Uh, because they, they need to know how to address you. They want to know if they, they why to you or you why to them in terms of age uh, at the, that respect level. And the third one is how long are you out here for? Meaning like, what's my, investment in, in, in you should be. If you're out here for a week, oh, you're going to have the best time of your life. We're just going to give you the best workout of your life. If you're here for a month, okay, uh, we'll kind of dial it back depending when you're tired or not. Uh, and I told, I told them I was out here for a year. So I have to go through all that phases, right? The, the, the first couple of weeks where they're giving me like hard pad work and tiring me out. And then the second month where they still see me around, but I can't speak the language. We can't communicate with each other yet. So there is a kind of that, that, that little friction point there. They, they still see me. They have to take care of me now, but we're not buddies yet. Uh, and by the third month, I, after I learned some Thai and after I, I figure out that they always ask the same questions anyway, when are you fighting? How are you? Things like that. Then there, there's a, 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 a better bond. But that third piece, that interpersonal piece, of course, still working through it uh, every day, making a strong commitment to learn the Thai language now so I can actually uh, communicate uh, with these folks. But now, even if my now, my, my Thai is still crappy, but we, we have a rapport now. And especially like after you fight as well, your bond with your, your, your trainer or my bond with my trainer is stronger and my bond with my training partners are much stronger as well. How are you learning Thai, by the way? <laughs> are you learning like online or is someone tutoring you or? Uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a multi-phase. Uh, my, my, this is my phase one is, is YouTube online. I'm learning the alphabet first for sure. Uh, learning the alphabet, listening to like the, the beginner Thai pod ones where they, uh, teach you how to, to speak conversational Thai. And then my, my, my training buddies, I, we're, we're tight now. So there's no longer a, a little bit, but there's no longer that, that, that big, uh, friction point where like they're afraid of speaking English to me or I'm afraid of speaking English to them. Like, uh, and it's okay now because we'll, we'll have a word we want to say and we don't know what, the other language is but we just start practicing and like my pronunciation may be wrong they'll laugh at me but then teach me the right way 
Yeah. And I think after this, I'll get a tutor. Do you think that uh, part of that too is like Fairtex is such a well-known gym, but then their fight team, it's not like a huge fight team. You know what I mean? For the size of the gym, if they wanted, they could have like 30 fighters, but they don't, right? They have like under 10. No, 28. They have 28 fighters? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, I, I had no idea. Cause, cause I guess I just scope uh, whatever the, the, the I big see ones. people scheduled on yeah. like the Telefy show. So, yeah, okay. yeah, the big okay. ones. Okay, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Wow, 28. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, they should have about 30. And then they do. <laughs> Six women. How awesome is that? Yeah. And are you, so then when you're talking about like your training partners, you, you guys are like buddies, are you referring to them? Yeah. So for the most part? Yeah. Yeah. My, my training buddies, the girls, definitely. Uh, and some of the small boys that are my size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love training with them. They're amazing. They're so strong. Um, yeah, they are. It's so like humbling to just have this like really skinny 10 year old just like dumping on your ass and clinching. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I need to work on clinching. <laughs> yeah, so sounds funny. Um, was there anything for you that you see other people having to adjust to that for you it just kind of came like second nature hmm. Hmm. I think figuring out that hierarchy like mm -hmm. yeah I, I in in my my previous life in corporate America what I was really good at is coming in to any situation any big project that is cross team cross platform cross whatever and I'm able to pick out the poignant, uh, important things and kind of make sure it work. Uh, when there are mm -hmm. projects that involve that, they, they would bring me in. So my ability to observe, uh, is, is one of my strongest suits. Um, so when I yeah. came out here, um, that was the, the first thing I did. Like it, it, it changed, of course, every week, every month. Uh, but I was able to really stop and, uh, and observe to, to see how people interact with each other, when people interact with each other, how they do it, and figure out my way, which trainers I'm, I'm, I vibe with, which trainers I don't vibe with, how the training schedules are. But I see some of the foreigners come out here and they don't take the time to observe. And I think that's, 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 that hurts them in the long run because like the, the alongside with the that language barrier, like again, a lot of the the Thai culture is just so much in the unsaid. And if you don't see what's unsaid, it's they're they're not going to tell you. You just have to you have to figure it out. So that's a, one of the the things that I excel. And the the other folks that I see out here right now is like seeing what the hierarchy is and seeing where my place is and how I fit in rather than like being front and central i am here uh treat me like a customer but also treat me like a tie do i, I can have it both ways that's, that's not how it works um you have to see yeah. um how the folks out here operate within their systems um and work yourself mm -hmm. into that yeah i i think you hit i don't even know the all the points on the head <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so the nail with the hammer <laughs> Thanks to COVID, a lot of offices, they're allowing their employees to work remotely, mm. like permanently or semi-permanently. And there are more and more positions being offered with fully remote, that are fully remote. So you don't ever have to go into office. You just have to jump on Skype or, you know, Zoom if there's a meeting or something like mm. that. Do you think with that flexibility of being able to be anywhere in the world, one, do you see yourself potentially like 
going back to the corporate world to do that and be a pro fighter? And two, would you recommend someone to do that in Thailand? Wow, great question. Hell no, I'm done with the corporate world. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. If my, my managers listen to my old managers listen to this, I may want to come back. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, uh, first things first, do I see myself going back to the corporate world? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I am 99% sure no. After coming out here like that, I think I remember that first Monday waking up, grabbing my phone. When's my first meeting? Having that like anxiety, like that, that Monday scary and then realizing, oh, I, I don't have to do that anymore. But when I, I switch over from the corporate world to over to, to being a, a provider, it was such a huge sense of relief. Like in, in that corporate world, everything is what lived in your head, right? Eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, being in front of a computer. Um, for, for, for what? I was like, at the end of the day, like whatever credo and mission that the, uh, the company had, well, how, how, how awesome uh, it was. At the end of the day, I was just helping companies sell shit. <laughs> And, and that, that was it. It brought me no disaster. Like, when I really, really thought about it, like, it didn't bring me any joy. But Muay Thai did. I was able to live in my body. I remember, like, going every single day when after I see Johnson on, after I have a training session uh, with him, like, all my worries, worries of the day are completely gone because I'm when I'm working paths with him. What? Like, you cannot think about anything. Eh? You have to focus on this one person and, and he's the only thing that matters. And you have to give it your all. And then after that, like it, it, it was like everything that uh, uh, all the stress in my day is, is gone. And I realized like that's what I want for, for my life to live in my body and to not like live in this, this what made up construct that is corporate America. Right. So after I, I, I decided that and after the adjustment period out here, um, I don't think I will go back. After I finish fighting, I have goals to create my own uh, institution, but also help Muay Thai in America evolve as well using uh, the awesome skills that I, I did learn from corporate America. Um, so I don't think I would ever go back to a nine to five job uh, in, in front of a computer anymore. The second part to your question, uh, would I recommend people to, to do the, the remote work and do Muay Thai? Sure. If it's still your hobby, that, that's where that spectrum is, right? Like Muay Thai in Thailand is here for life, like completely one, one, 100%. And then like, I don't know, no Muay Thai is over here, right? And then like amateur fighting in America is like somewhere in like, if it's a scale from like one to 10, I say like amateur fighting in America, it's like a, a, a three. Um, but if you mm -hmm. want to come out here and do like half Muay Thai, half remote work, cool, live your life. Um, I think it's going to be an awesome experience. Um, you're going to be like at, I know, like a level five, uh, per se. Um, you, you will get to have like, uh, some of this authentic Thai, uh, like Muay Thai experience in Thailand experience. And then you will get like a steady, uh, paycheck probably in US dollars as well to fund this. That sounds like a great life, but it's also not committing to Muay Thai 100% because I think as long as you have this big commitment of a, a, a full-time job, you, you, people cannot multitask. Like, you, we think we can, but we really can't. Um, in reality, we give 50-50 to the two things that, that, that we are multitasking rather than 100% to one. Uh, so would I recommend it? 
um, it's going to be up to um, what your, your goals are. If you want to have a, a cool experience, the best of both worlds, sure. If you want to dive in and be a professional Muay Thai fighter, uh, frankly, no, because I don't think uh, you will be able to give it your all. And as my yeah. intern once said, when you do something, don't have acid, pull ass out of the way. <laughs> I really love what you said about the spectrum. It just kind of depends on where you fall on it. And it's just like, all right, depending on what you want, yeah. yes, or maybe no, yeah, you know, yeah. but, and it's clear where you like want to fall on the spectrum as well. It's like, you're like, you want to go whole ass. All the yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and because like you kind of, you set that for yourself. What are some goals that you see yourself achieving in Thailand within the next year? Yeah. Uh, also a great question. And also something that I wish would have been asked of me the first year I joined Muay Thai. Like I spent eight years just, just like dancing in like the feel of Muay Thai flowers because Ganyao is so loving and so caring. And I was like, oh, you want to fight now? Oh, you cannot fight now? It's okay. <laughs> you can eat and drink with me. But like Johnson asked me that. And when I came out here, Matt Lucas asked me that. He sat down, great buddy of mine, and um, it's a, a planner and sat down with me, like, what are your goals? And made me write it down. And I think every Muay Thai fighter, aspiring Muay Thai fighters should be asked or ask yourself, like, what your goals are. Uh, but my goals out here in Thailand, uh, as of right now, they, of course, they'll, they'll change. First is to get the experience that I lack. 10 years in Muay Thai and I have, like, I have 15 fights, which is ridiculous. I should have done so much more tournaments and have more fights than that. Uh, so get as much fight experience as I can fight on Lumpini because Lumpini now allows women to fight. Uh, that's a big milestone uh, for, for women in Muay Thai. Another uh, one is uh, get sponsored by Fairtex. That would mean that I can join the ranks of these world-class fighters. Like that, that, that would be big. Then fight on one. That, that's like the, 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 the big goal of experience in fighting. And then if my my skills allows for my skill and style allows for it. Uh, fight for Team USA either in the World Games or future international competitions. And all of those things are in your situation all all well within reach. You know, yes. you just gotta put awesome. in the work and you'll get yourself there. You know, and <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the most amazing part of it because the thing is, like most people, like outside of Thailand, they see all these things are very like ah maybe in another lifetime. You know what I mean? But when you actually are there and you put in the work, you're like, oh no, it can actually become a reality. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, the thing about this is you have these goals, right? Uh, but they're not set in stone. Like maybe like, I don't know, down the road, I, 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 after five more fights, I realized that my style doesn't fit for, for IFMA. It doesn't fit for international, like in, in, in that way. And that's fine. Then I, I, I flex. And like that when I came out here after I wrote down those goals, a uh, second wave of COVID hit and Thailand had to go back on lockdown again. So I had to flex again and, and, and it's really okay. I think you, you set out your goals, but it's just the beginning. Like don't be attached to the end, the, the end result right away. Uh, because if you're so attached to the end result, that's not even happening yet or not here yet. You kind of inhibit yourself from like experiencing these things and kind of like going with the flow, flexing and flowing as you go. And like, I don't know, maybe we chat again six months down the road. My goals are completely changed, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm living through it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you brought up such a good point about how some people, they fixate on like the very end goal mm -hmm. and then they don't 
adjust and enjoy the journey that comes along with it. And mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, through your experiences of life and just being in a sport for so long, you're just like taking it all in. You're like, whatever happens kind of just happens. And then like, I'll adapt to it. I'll change things as needed, which is, which is, I think, a really, really great life lesson. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it's not like taking whatever is given to you, but it's having your goals and intentions in mind. But life throws some like curveballs at you and it's completely fine. We, we, we flex mm-hmm. and we move forward. Yeah. What is the most or a couple of the most common questions that people from back home ask you? They could be like your teammates or just like people from outside the Muay Thai community. Because now everyone knows that you're in Thailand training at Fairtex with some of the best fighters right now. So, that, so then you must get like some of the same questions asked to you over and over. Oh, hmm. <laughs> uh, I think the, the uh, what common questions. I think it really comes... I'm a very controlling person. Uh, and that's one mm-hmm. of the, the bad habits of, of, of <laughs> myself. So sharing things on social media has always been difficult to me. If you look at my social media page now, you're going to see a lot of content. And that's because I've been making a very, very strong conscious effort to post a couple of times a week. And Matt's like, post every day. I'm like, no, I don't want to. Post every day. No, I don't want to. Uh, but I'm, I'm posting quite a bit now to share my story. But like on my social media, you're going to see like, it's all positive stuff. Like I rarely like share my life struggles or like day, uh, bad days or anything like that. Uh, so I think the, the responses that people give me are generally to my positive content. So it's always, it, it, it's been positive, the, the comments and the, the questions that I get. Uh, so w- one of the, the recurring questions not not too often, but it, it, a, a few times is um, how am I making money? Is this something that will sustain me? And I got this from a couple of friends, and of course, I've gotten this from family, especially. And it's a it's a, it's a question that I'm still working through. Uh, for this first six months, I'm definitely using savings, right? I I have the intention of going to Thailand, so I saved up and I'm, I'm using that. But moving forward. I'll really have to think through like, how, how can this be sustainable? I do, I want to get that, that, that like part-time job in, in corporate America again. Uh, do I get sponsorship? Do I get like X, Y, Z? Uh, so that, that, that's one of the questions that I get, um, from quite a few family members. And it's a, it's a tough one to answer because I'm still working through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most of my other comments and thoughts and feelings from other folks are, are just, they, they love the fact that they can live vicariously through me, which goes to show that I think there are so many people, especially in the Muay Thai world in, in the States, are uh, unhappy with their jobs, with life, that want to come out here. But again, like it's so attached to that, that end goal that hasn't even happened yet, that is afraid of, of taking the, 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 the big jump. So they live vicariously through me. So <laughs> I'll post happy and positive stuff for them to enjoy. That's so nice. And I'm sure like whatever unhappy stuff that you don't post, it's <laughs> stuff that you, you clearly choose to keep to yourself yeah. and you're going to talk to who actually matters about those Absolutely, things. Absolutely, you know? 100%. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great point about social media too. Social media, it's basically whatever people 
choose to decide to show you about their lives. Like don't ever assume it's like the whole picture. Yes, yes, absolutely. And there are so many bad days, but I, you're, you're exactly right. I have this group of people that like, those are the responses I want to, to, to solicit uh, for advice. And I, I, I go to those people. So Ty, do you have any fights coming up? So right now it is December 4th still, even in Thailand, uh, mm -hmm. 2021. Do you have any fights coming up in the near future that you're looking forward to, you're trying to get on, you're training for? Yeah. Um, I had two fights out here in Thailand. Uh, first fight I lost to, I, I was stupid for taking that fight at a higher weight class. And my coach in the States yelled at me for it. Um, but it, it was a good yelling. Uh, second fight I won. Uh, it was uh, four weeks uh, apart. But uh, for the second fight, I got a cut underneath my eye. Uh, so I'm letting that heal and I'm, uh, so I'm letting that heal in all of December. So my next fight will be January 16 and it's going to be a, a check off of my checklist because it's going to be at Lumpini. Uh, it's going to be, you were just saying, you're like, I want to find Lumpini. Yes. Guess what? It's well, going to happen in a month. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love Getting it. experience and check Lumpini going to be checked off the, the, the list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. It's going to be under Muay Thai rules. Uh, yes. So, uh, Fairtex, Fairtex is, uh, promoting at Lumpini, uh, starting in January and that's going to be their, their inaugural show. Uh, so, uh, they are bringing their, their, I, I think they're going to be a pioneer in, in the space for, for bringing, for being a, a, a platform to foster fighters for the international stage, but also a platform to, to foster women. Uh, so Prem Fairtex is, is the promoter and he'll have a show every two weeks. So at least twice a month. And it's going to have two Muay Thai fights with regular gloves, two Muay Thai fights with small gloves and two MMA fights. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to uh, be the, the one fighting with the small gloves. And it's cool, right? Because one championship fights with small gloves. So th this is clearly like the understand. My understanding here is uh, Fairtex, of course, first two fights, keeping tradition, Muay Thai with regular gloves. Second two fights, uh, Muay Thai with small gloves to set up for that international stage. And third, uh, MMA, like that's where the money is. And if like, if the, the, the ties are fighting to make money, why not make like a, a, a crap ton more with MMA? So they're creating a platform for that, which is really cool. I love how there's levels to mm -hmm. it. Like the, like the spectrum that you've kind of like talked about. And then there's another spectrum in what Fairtex, it seems like they're trying to do, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. And the cool thing with Fairtex is like, I know there are a lot of other shows that have women on, um, but they're all, I, I, I feel that they're a, like a, a feature, right? The women on there, and, and you've commented on this, so like you, you've had face-off photos where they're making you do the hard, <laughs> yeah, and things like that. But with, with Fairtex, like women are going to be one of the main players, like for sure. Like there's going to be two myself and another um, uh, female of um, fighter from Fairtex that's going to be on the show. And the cool thing is, it's not just going to be foreigner versus Thai. Um, there's, there's, uh, I'm going to be fighting another foreigner and the other ties are going to be fighting other ties too. So that's, that's going to be cool. Foreigner versus foreigner. It's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, Ty, we had such like good conversation that, I mean, I wasn't expecting us to like keep talking for this long, but it's been like amazing just kind of hearing like your thought process and your experiences. And you brought up just like a lot of good points uh, and especially like so well worded too. Like you're just, I'm just like asking you stuff like right off the bat. You're like, 
thinking things on the fly and you still like manage to word everything so well. I'm very impressed. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Ty, do you have anything to plug? Like where can people follow your journey and keep up to date on your upcoming fight and everything else happening yeah. from here on out? The only platform that I currently have and is updating is Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that's where I share all the, the fun, happy things. I'm, I'm generally a fun, happy person. So it, it's not that I only share the happy things. I, I, I generally am a happy person and I choose to share that. Um, but I, I would like to invite, um, folks who, uh, go see my page. And if there are any questions or anything that you would like me to share, I would love to hear about it. Um, because from my point of view, I just want to share the positive stuff, but, um, I would love to hear it if there, there are any burning questions folks have for me. Uh, I think soon I will start a newsletter, but that's at a later date. I, my, my goals out here right now are to train, to fight, uh, to eat ice cream when I can and to get over my fear of social media so I can start sharing my story, uh, and hopefully inspiring others to, um, to, to come out and do the same. Um, because I'm, I'm having such a blast. Like it's a huge adjustment period, but it's um, an, um, an awesome, amazing life for me right now. So I'm really enjoying it. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so Ty, let us know what your Instagram handle is. So everyone is like, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, I want to follow this person, but she still hasn't told us what her handle is. <laughs> uh, it's my name, Ty Ngun, uh, Ty like Thailand, T-H-A-I and N-G-A-N. Okay, cool. Uh, so Muying is the first platform to focus those on Muay Thai that need the attention uh, but don't really get it, namely women fighters. Muying also has articles on preparing for your trip to Thailand. You can watch fights and also read about historical moments, especially those that have happened in the past year and so much more on muay-ying.com. We also have a Patreon account if you'd like to support financially so we can keep producing quality content and that's patreon.com slash muying, muying being one word. You can follow me, Angela Chang, via Instagram, Angela Citan, S-I-T-A-N. If you can review, subscribe, and share this episode, we would greatly appreciate it. It'll help this podcast grow and more people can learn who Ty is. Yay! <laughs> Yay! My first podcast ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, I know it's uh, pretty late over there. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Angela. And thanks for uh, creating a space to share the stories of women um, in Muay Thai. Um, and thanks for having me come on board. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Muayin, the first platform focused on those in the Muay Thai community that deserve more attention than they get. For more information on training, fighting, living in Thailand, and other episodes, please visit muay-ying.com. This is your host, Angela Chang, signing off. See you in the next episode of Muayin.